0: Welcome to the Building and Growing podcast. Today we've got Alex Twig from Apeggio.
1: Thanks very much for having me on. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure and uh, lovely
0: to be here. You're most welcome. Thanks so much for joining us, Alex. Um, so normally you're based in Sydney. I've been very lucky to catch you here uh, in the UK today. So thanks so much for joining. No problem at all, it's been good to uh, good to squeeze it in. Indeed, indeed, yeah, and you know, you'll hop on the plane tomorrow, you'll probably miss the good weather here and be welcomed by a, a bit of a wet Australian uh,
1: autumn. It's, uh, it's starting to get, get a bit chilly now over there, so yeah, we've timed it all wrong. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, indeed, well you never know, maybe you'll be back later in the year.
1: Oh yeah, we'll definitely be back.
0: Excellent, excellent. So, Alex, um, you know you've got a fantastic background, um, and uh, I'll hand it over to you to maybe just give an intro to yourself um, and what you've been working on in the past. Yeah, sure.
1: I mean, look, um, I've been incredibly lucky for the last thirty years um, to um, fall into things that have, have have been great successes, right? And and to meet people that have been incredible mentors along the way um you know i started off i started off my career in the uh, royal leamington spa branch of the uh, nat west bank wow decades ago yeah you know um as the t-boy okay <laughs> pretty yes. much as the t-boy um you know, and I, got, I was really lucky. Um, I managed to get on uh, what they used to call in those days the management development program. Okay. Which pushed you through every job in the bank yes. over a two-year period. Yeah. You did every job. And it was the best grounding in banking that you could ever have. And I, it's really sad they don't do it anymore no no don't do it anymore so he did everything from you know cashing up all the way through to securities investments and and, and lending yeah fantastic um and you know we did all the banking exams that along went with it in those days um and as i say, it was a really good grounding in banking indeed um then um uh, through one uh, uh, one uh, down cycle in the economy. Um, decided that uh, things weren't going the way I wanted, so uh, moved off to go and work for the um, the Coventry Building Society of all places. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, met another group of incredible people there, um, uh, and. Somehow or another, don't know how, <laughs> um, I stopped being a banker and I got a secondment into IT for six months. Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, and,
0: and what year was this, just to oh, you know, was, put IT in context?
1: Uh, early 1990s. Wow, wow. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, the first um, uh, First round of the internet, right? That was, yeah. that was where we really were. You know, first three tier architectures, and uh, you know, you know, we literally we were strapping together servers and putting them in data rooms and, and wow. creating websites. Yeah, um, you know, that was it. And so you know, that through my time there, I, you know, I was very lucky to be involved in in building their first transactional banking website. Wow! You know, right back in the day. Yeah, you that's know? incredible. Yeah. 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 Um, and, you know, you did everything, you know, straight through application process for, for uh, deposit accounts and the whole lot. You know, this is 25
0: years ago. Yeah, that's right? it. Um, and it, everything must have had to been built to be processed by dial-ups feeds, which, yeah. you know, are a fraction of what we have now. Oh, yeah, you know, we were
1: dealing with, well, twenty-four bowed modems, right? Yeah, you know, and yeah. you know, we were lucky if you had one uh, computer in the house in the back bedroom. You know, that's that right. Was, that's, that's where right. we were then. Um, and so that was a great grounding. And then um, I got a phone call from a, a, an old friend of mine that said, "Meet me in Derby City Football Ground car park, mm. and I'll get you to sign an NDA." <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> so um, I, ran, I drove up the M1, like, like you did in those days, sign the NDA, and um, that was uh the uh the start of um egg bankers was okay okay yeah. so i was incredibly lucky to um get uh to be part of the the team um at egg yes um and you know that was you know inspirational in those days right you know with, yeah. you know the, the team at egg you know they took boring old banking um took it online um revolutionized the way people think about money in in, in the uk yes you know yes. Uh, it was a and it was such an amazing experience for a, a you know a young lad effectively to be involved in and you know just to yeah. see how this whole thing worked mm. you know everything from you know uh, contact centers through credit cards you know trying to p- punch it all together and make it fly yes um and the culture that you need for that and the way that you need to think differently i think that was the thing that um that i loved most about egg was the the people that showed you how to think differently yes um and that stayed with me for the rest of my career fantastic Uh, you know and um and i call it contrarian thinking but you know that's Mm -hmm. that's what that that where that's that stemmed from you know the, the people with egg and you know how I saw them operate yeah um you know amazing intellect some of those guys and girls and you know they really did things so differently yes yes uh, compared to what we had seen before Indeed. um and then um uh, did five years egg that was a roller coaster ride of you know successes and failures you know it was wonderful um, And as part of that, um, we'd actually built some effectively uh, intellectual property in um, what you would call today um, robo-advice. Okay, wow. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, And we actually decided that that was actually more valuable outside of egg than in. Okay. Um, And uh, the executive team there decided to um, spin out uh, what was known as Santa Fe, yes. um, as a separate entity, um, which we eventually sold to a US um, IT services firm.
2: Fantastic.
1: Um, and with that deal, um, I went um, I went over to the US um, to launch their... Um, What what we then called Web Two? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah, Things have changed these days. Yeah, done way too many cycles, mate. So yeah, their Web Two consultancy—you'd now call it a digital consultancy. Yes. Um, and we sort of took um, uh, agile development methodologies, agile program management, um, uh, this IP around um, you know, robo advice. Yeah. Um, and we sort of built a team around that and helped a good number of the north american banks think about how they were going to uh, change their whole strategy for digital yeah fantastic. Um, and that was a lot of fun i mean i i learned enormous amounts there um you know i went from being you know i went from being a banker to a techie to a consultant that was like everybody else does it the other way around right? <laughs> i seem right. to do i all seem to do things backwards so i did. So, <laughs> so i went to be a consultant um spent two years in the u.s and a whale of a time learned enormous amounts yeah um before getting a phone call from a headhunter um who said uh, the national australia bank are thinking of launching a direct bank they think you know something about that <laughs> have you ever thought of living in australia and i said no <laughs> <laughs> um anyway very very long story short you know 12 weeks later me, my wife Allison, and, and and three kids were on a plane going to Sydney. We'd Fantastic. never never been there before. Wow!
0: Oh, uh, <laughs> that's a risk. <laughs> you must have just heard about spiders and snakes and oh, sharks. Yeah. And
1: oh yeah, the full the full Monty. Yeah, um, but it's one of those things you know you're ever going to get another chance to go, and so that's we thought right. we've got to give it a go. And it, like every other every other palm as you know in in Oz. Um, you know, goes for, originally goes for two years, yes. on a on a four five seven visa as it was at those time, expected to come back, and yeah. we fell in love with Australia and uh, have never been back. You yeah, know, we've stayed. That's made it our home. So yeah, that was, that was, that. So that, was um, uh, that was the start of of Eubank. Um, uh, that was another fantastic team. Um, you know, t- it's again, it was an intra- entrepreneurial type activity because the the NAB obviously was. A, the top, there's only bit four big banks in Australia. That's right. Yeah. Um, NAB was the smallest retail bank of the four at the time, mm. um, and the strategic idea was to uh, create the digital bank off along the side. Yes. Um, claim that space early, mm-hmm. uh, grow that, and then effectively um, become the biggest retail bank by going digital first. Yes. Yes. Um, that was the that was the strategy. It was um it was really good um spent you know i ended up spending nearly seven years at, at Ubank. wow um that business went from you know powerpoint to um the ninth largest bank in australia in that six years yeah, um, incredible. which was a huge amount of fun yeah. massively challenging you know you know you never know what was going to happen from one day to the next yes um but Uh, you know again learned an enormous amount you know built some uh, some great friendships along the way and you know built it there yeah um then um uh got a phone call from the Woolworths group Mm -hmm. which um is the largest um supermarket chain in australia a bit like tesco's or sainsbury's here yes um they had a small um credit card business um wanted to build it into like a Tesco's direct type thing mm-hmm. um eventually convinced me to go and uh, go and have a crack at that yeah um that was one of that was a, that, that's one of my best stories which is um um I had to uh, give handy my notice at that nab to do that uh, that's a six months worth of gardening leave which i thoroughly recommend to everybody <laughs> in an australian summer that is awesome yeah yeah for sure um and um the day i turned up at the Woolworths head office um was the day they announced their two billion dollar write down for their master's acquisition oh no um so you know like the fifty million they promised us for the uh, for the for the bank sort of went. Nah, not so much.
0: <laughs> oh no! Oh, heads were rolling. and The yeah. cash was just getting yeah. thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. So that was fun,
1: um, you know. And you know, it was it was great to be part of that team as well. Where, um, you know, I learned. I never knew how supermarkets worked. You don't. You, you've got no idea how much complexity there is in, yeah. in making that work. Oh, but I yeah. learned loads there. Um, I was really lucky to get involved in um, uh, launching. Te, uh, Walworth Mobile, which is an MBNO um, telco. Okay. Um, so that wow. was really fun. We built out their insur- helped built out their insurance business, um, and uh, and then while all that was going on, um, uh, a group of my ex colleagues from NAB, uh, you know, were looking to see what was going on in um, in the UK with uh, with the PRA issuing new banking licenses. Yes. Um, and they looked. Particularly at Aldermore and Shawbrook, what had happened with those two SME-led uh, banks? Yes, um, and sort of had an inkling because generally the uh, APRA, who's the regulator in in Australia, generally follows what what the UK does. Mm. So mm. It took a bit of a punt on there might be some licenses going in Australia. So um, uh, a few of us, you know, uh, uh, chucked in the corporate towel, uh, you know, and, and actually set up what was then known as Judo Capital.
0: Okay.
2: Yes
1: um for which we didn't need a banking license because you, you can you can lend money people money without a banking license so we actually set up juda capital we started lending to it's entirely sme focused lending. yes um and as we did that um the pr or the apra did did exactly what they would do they started issuing new licenses nice. um we applied for for one of those we went there was two ways you could apply you could apply for a full license, which is what mm. we did, or you could apply for what's known as a radio a restricted ADI license. Okay. Um, we skipped the RADI because of the conditions around that just wouldn't make it uh, viable for us. Yes. Um, and basically, two years in, we got the the full banking license and became Fantastic. Judo Bank, and then, you know, drove that through to a to an ipo 18 months or so ago which, yeah. was, uh, which was a lot of fun
0: incredible and it was during covid if i remember correctly yeah
1: covid hit right yeah. in the middle of all of that so you know that was a that was a big challenge um, yes you know it's hard enough trying to build a new organization um uh when you're in the same place mm. uh, but then trying to do it all remotely that was that was hard yeah um uh, then i i left judo just before the ipo yes um to go and do go and explore and do other bits and crazy stuff as usual indeed um headed off i was i was due to go actually to um to singapore um yes. to um, uh, lead the build out of the um uh, standard chartered digital bank ah, up there, okay which yes. is which has become trust bank
2: yes yeah
1: um <laughs> but of course covid hits so it couldn't travel yeah um so uh i basically uh had to t- attempt to try and build an entire team um create some technology build a brand all the other bits and pieces from my back garden in sydney yeah, with shivers. the whole team working remotely in in singapore it <laughs> oh
2: shivers yeah yeah that was
1: a tremendous amount of fun yeah um uh so you know it was um you know we even had to deal with a regulator remotely you know that was the whole process yeah um you know it always and so that went that that went really well um you know we got the we got the license out of the out of the singaporean regulator up there yes um and uh you know i still couldn't travel up to, to singapore so I eventually we eventually agreed that you know i'd step down and and, and go and do something else while they moved that on and yeah. they've been phenomenally successful up in singapore fantastic. um you know, half a million customers in you know six weeks of launch yeah yeah really that's a, a huge number huge number really yeah. really amazing team up there so that was good fun yes um sorry i'm rambling on a bit no oh, no,
0: I sh- no not at all yeah uh, yeah
2: and uh that's fantastic
1: yeah and then um I'm on the board of Alex Bank in yes. Australia, which is a um, another neo bank.
0: I, I always wondered if it was named after you. No, it was entirely <laughs> coincidental. I wish yeah. I could say it was, but it, it wasn't entirely coincidental.
1: <laughs> that was, um, uh, you know, uh, Simon and Craig, the two founders up there, have done an amazing job of um, effectively trying to uh, build a retail bank as opposed to an SME bank. But yes. you know, you know. You know, they're really good bankers, they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and they know how to, you know, do um build a balance sheet, build a build everything that goes along with it. Excellent. Um they're they're great guys and they they've done an awesome job up there. So that's um that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um and then sort of that leads me on to uh you know, so I I I like helping people, so you know, I do sorts of various consulting bits and pieces for around the world but my sort of my my passion at the minute and has been for the last 18 months is Apeggio. yes which is, which is why we're here i guess indeed um and um surprising enough Apeggio isn't a bank
0: mm, that's <laughs> right yeah i mean you know you've gone from sort of banking to uh uh you know digital uh to consulting uh back into banking insurance i mean you've done everything b2c b2b institutional I suppose as well and uh, yeah this is a a wild card uh, but uh, definitely somewhere where which all of your previous sort of experience and sector knowledge is Mm. all wrapping up into one I believe
1: yeah I mean well Apeggio sort of um, came out of two or three sort of experiences and conversations so the um, if I go back slightly to judo so when we set up judo um five nearly six years ago now i guess um you know the challenge was to build the first licensed fully operational born in the cloud bank yeah yeah um you know the vision was to have you know um everything was software as a service um we didn't own a single server we didn't employ a single developer we bolted together over 50 software as a service systems into wow. an end-to-end bank did it in 18 months yeah um and it's a bit of a stretch but you know almost did it on my credit card right yeah you know, that's yeah. the you know that's the level of of, of where we got to Incredible. um and but what it meant was that you know we started to look at um the composable organization before composable was a thing yes right yeah um, and that's effectively what judo was. It was a composed bank. It was composed out of all these other systems together to create uh, one one system. Yes. With a sort of um, overriding um, uh, principles and standards-based architecture. Yes. That made everything hang together. That was the, the vital key to success, was making that work. Mm. Um, but what it meant was that... Um, As you went through that process, what you found was it it was great from an investment perspective because it was all um, uh, operating costs, right? It was no capex involved in building that, right? Um, You know, when we were doing egg, you know, back in the day, you know, I can't remember what the numbers were, but you know, that was probably tens of millions of pounds to build the the technology infrastructure for that. Indeed. you know, when we did when we did Eubank um sort of ten years later, you know, that was a that was a few million pounds to do the infrastructure with that. Yeah. And then when we did judo, you know, probably wasn't even a million dollars. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, the cost has yeah.
0: decreased significantly. Dropped off a cliff. Yeah. Um,
1: but what it meant was that um because you had all these fifty software as a service applications, um you had you effectively were constrained a little bit by um, the user experience you could deliver, mm, mm. Uh, because you had to take the user experience of the donor platforms effectively. Yes, because if you didn't, you you actually shot yourself in the foot because then if you didn't take the, the, those experiences, then you were building in cost. Yes. You know, change cost, operating cost, all of that stuff that you were trying to avoid in the first place. So it you did. had to had – to, so the, the real killer principle was to keep it super vanilla mm, mm-hmm. uh, and make it work. But um, And then, you know, we were sitting there with, um, you know, the team and we were looking at the way things were working. And um, what you could actually start to see was that we were moving into this headless world. Mm um you know of of completely headless architectures an api economy yes um and you could the bolt together principles still worked really well yeah but what you now wanted was the ability to create a unified user experience over the top of it indeed um and it seems a bit silly but the traditional way of doing that you know is to have an army of developers yes um you know and they'd you know bolt everything together um But that's, you know, that always has the same problem. Whether we, you know, it's 20 years ago when we did it Waterfall to whether we do it today as an agile methodology. It's still a massive game of pass the message.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Um, And you might do it in shorter cycles and you might have, you know, business owners in the mix and you might get it. But it always ends up in the same sets of problems every time. Yes. you know. And so what we're trying to do is work out a way that we could, empower business owners to actually build these things themselves yes um and so that was sort of one half of the equation and then we started to think about the other half of the equation which was you know um james james lad my co-founder and i you know we've spent the best part of 30 years building some form of bank technology along the way yeah you know, and, and you know, not just our experience. You know, every almost every project we've ever heard of has goes through exactly the same cycle. You know it, I know it, everybody knows it. You know, so we have some great ideas, we write some stuff down, mm. uh, we build some stuff, uh, we test some stuff, we put it live, and then we go, "Oh bugger!" What about security, resilience, scalability, performance, yes. and all the other non-functional bits and pieces? And then we spend you know another six months putting it right. Yeah. Um, you know, spending a lot more money, and you know, everybody's everybody. You know, and it, it, the same thing happens. So. Mm. Um, how do we so the idea then came together was how do we start to create um the capability for business users to build their own digital experiences yes and i use the word experiences really deliberately and i'll come on to that later okay um in a way that they didn't have to understand how to write code yes didn't need to know anything about the uh the, the delivery cycle for code either, because that's really important. Yes. Um, but they got out of the end of it all of the stuff they didn't know they needed to ask for. Yes,
2: indeed. Right? Indeed.
1: Um, because, you know, most business units, you know, wouldn't know... Um, you know, I've sat in the middle of these conversations and translated it. You know, well, how many users do you want to have on the on the system at any one time? How many how many days worth of data do you want to to keep? You know, all of these things that people don't know what to ask for. Yes, um, you know. You know, where do you want it to sit in the cloud? How do you cope with gdrp You know, which thing, yeah. you know, all that Think, sort of things
0: stuff. that can trip them up later yeah. on when success is quite close. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And then the third stream that sort of popped in was the cloud, right? And this is what we'd again done with Judo, which was you know we'd gone from dealing with twenty six bowed modems mm. um, to limitless, limitless compute and and uh, you know uh, limitless broadband, right, yes. uh, on a mobile device right so how do you leverage that and you know not do the the transformation process that everybody else tries to do you go from legacy to cloud you know how do you actually enable people to go straight to cloud yes so those three things came together into an idea um and i say james my co-founder who's the uh, who's the brains of the operation (laughs) um you know uh, tech genius you know he, he's he pulled all of this together and you know together we've we've, we've sort of created a peggio which is um uh, the easy way to describe it is a no code platform that's what people will understand mm-hmm. um but uh we like to call it an experience as a service platform yes um and the reason for that is um i, I always think it's really ironic there are lots of um, no-code and low-code platforms in the world. Yes. People don't know they're using them. You know, Excel's a no-code platform. Word's a no-code platform, right? Yeah. Um, but there are spe- you know ge- gener- uh, uh, specific no-code platforms out there. Um, but the ironic thing is they all produce code. Mm.
2: Mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, uh, what do you do with that code when it arrives? You know, how do you maintain that code? You know, how do you deploy it? How do you maintain it? How do you support it? All that stuff. How do you change it? Yes um and so you know you still actually need to know quite a lot about software development and Mm. um you know non-functional requirements to actually utilize this stuff yes um and there's a spectrum of no-code platforms that go from um let's call them the big end of town uh which are which work you know the uncorks out systems of this world Mm, mm. um you know they produce uh, high quality code. Um, you know they can work in a software delivery lifecycle model. They have the governance controls around them. All the all the good stuff that you need. Yes, but you need to be an experienced developer to use them. Indeed. Indeed. Um, and when I talk about them, really, they're they developer acceleration tools, is the way I think about them.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, and and they are
0: very very enterprise heavy and yes. institutional focused Yeah. And yeah. they're expensive.
2: Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, so great they do they do a fantastic job um but they have those limitations mm. um at the other end of the spectrum you have um the citizen developer tools as they're known yeah um bubbles adalos framers softers you know there's a whole whole range of them um and they're fantastic at you know liberating the uh, the non-technical person to be able to write code yes or not write code actually write uh, applications um, you know, and they've done an enormous, uh, an enormously good job of of making that work.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, th- you know, they have a, a problem in their own right though, which is, you know, they've generally been built for the smaller end of town. Mm. Um, so they all str- generally all struggle with the the non functional side of stuff again. Yes. So you can build your application, but, you know, um, in the no-code world, there's this phrase that always makes me chuckle, which is, you know, at some point you're going to have to build it properly, <laughs> right, which means take your no-code application, employ a bunch of developers, and use it effectively use it as a prototype to build your code again. Yeah. When I hear that, I always say, have you ever met developers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? That's it, yeah. <laughs> Expensive. <laughs> they sometimes love doing it their way. They oh, love, <laughs> love doing it, but, you know, yeah. the number of conversations I've had about, you know, so why did you use that library that's fourteen fourteen versions out of date? You know, yeah, you know, yeah. so doing it properly is a you know, yes, in principle that's that that's a good thing. But you know, in reality it's really expensive, it's really complicated, you've got to find the right people, and it's, you know, it, it slows you down. Yeah. Um uh, and the problem that both ends of the spectrum have, and this is coming back to is that um they're generally targeted at a single platform Mm -hmm. whether that be a web application or a a native mobile application you can generally build either of those with any of those tools Mm. Mm. but you can't generally build one or both or all three so yes yeah um you know, with some of them, you know, with a long crowbar and somebody else's uh, bit of code, you can make them work in in that sort of stuff. But they're not generally they're not they're not great at that sort of cross platform type stuff. Sure. Which comes, which means they all have the same problem that we as an industry have had for the last twenty five years of yes. pro development, which is we build everything three times. That's right. One for the web, once for Android, once for for, for, for iOS. Mm-hmm. You know, we might do it two and a half times by using React Native or something or other. But you know, it's you know, that means we've got three different teams, three different support teams, all different architectures. It's a completely nice silly thing to do. Indeed. So this brings me back to um Apeggio. Yes. So Apeggio is designed to sit in the middle of all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's designed to be uh, an enterprise-grade citizen developer platform Mm -hmm. um, that can uh, be in a design once and deploy many. Yes. So you can design it once, you can deploy it as a a web app, you can deploy it as an Android app, as an iOS app. In the future, there's no reason why you couldn't press another button, deploy it as a... um, a windows native app or as an sap app or as a salesforce app yes um so you you this code reuse is is um you know you get away from all of that multiplication effect that we have yeah yeah um and put the power of um all of that hardcore software and engineering that has to go into um the big end of town yeah make it available to everybody so Indeed. whether you're building a fish and chip shop app or whether you're building a next banking app yes. it should all have the same level of security resilience scalability and, and everything else that comes along with it so Apeggio yeah. is a you know is built in aws it's an aws native application it's a serverless um thing. it's therefore it's entirely elastically scalable in any direction that you like fantastic um and you never have to know anything about it because we uh, not only do we allow you to design, mm. but we help you deploy, um, we help you maintain, yes. uh, and we help you change. Fantastic! So you do the whole thing. That's why we call it as Experience as a Service because you never have to even think about code or servers in any part of that process yeah. Uh, yeah. to make it work. So that's the that's the essence of of what Peggio is. Excellent. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're having a lot of fun trying to trying to get that to market.
0: Yeah, indeed. So let me break it down a little bit, uh, almost to sort of summarise it, um, because uh, you covered a lot there and a lot of it was real gold dust. So um, let's say that I wanted to build an app today. I would have a couple of options. I could use an online no-code platform, but I may need to build it three times. Um, uh, and even after it's built, um, it doesn't necessarily have... Um, let's call it bank-grade um, uh, security and scalability and resilience. Um, the other option um, is to, again, build it three times um, or maybe um, save some of that work by using a platform, but with developers, which costs a lot of money, um, and, again, you have to deploy it multiple different times. Whereas with apejo you build once and then it can deploy into multiple different platforms. So... Web, Android, iOS, um, and I'm going to dive now into um, uh, the next question because you mentioned that it could deploy, let's say, to um, a, a, as an SAP integration. Mm-hmm. I suppose one uh, example of a sort of marketplace that I love is Zero. Um, um, mm-hmm. So, are you able to just dive um, in one level deeper into? how um, you're able to deploy not just for, let's say, the three main use cases of web, Android, and iOS, but also other integration platforms?
1: Yeah, sure. So um, uh, the, the basic architecture of Apeggio is um, we create a meta definition. Yes. Um, so we don't actually have a target um platform that we that when you're designing your application so everything gets described inside a Peggio as a meta definition. Yes. Um in real time um it actually compiles that into a web app. Mm-hmm. Um so that actually the editor that you use um is actually running the application that you're building at the same time. So there's no design, deploy, run, test model. Yes. Everything you change, every mouse click that you make is uh, real-time compiled and is real-time you're seeing it used fantastic yeah. um, and then when you come to the um the end of the process oh and by the way you know everything is um uh, completely responsive so mm. from the smallest mobile device all the way up to a 4k tv you know wow. everything works um natively responsive through that process so but yeah. when you come to the end yeah. of that you think you're happy with your app um you then select what you know whether you want to just deploy it as a web app or whether you want web app and iOS or just android you can choose one or any of them all. yeah you can also choose um you know uh, which aws region you want it to be deployed to um uh, whether you want it to be deployed as a into the into our shared um, environment whether you want your own aws environment or whether you actually want to um aws actually deployed to your own aws account so yeah you know wow. all of those enterprise grade options are available to anybody yes um so you know if you're talking with gdpr and you want your you want your data to be held in in germany say yes you i want the german then. data center click go fantastic um yeah. uh, and, and that's you know and th- this is where we've we've made that made that work now um the reason why we could then we can't do it now, but the reason why there was no reason why we couldn't deploy as those other things is because because it's a meta definition. Yes. All we have to do is create the um, uh, the compiler to compile it into mm-hmm. that other that next platform. Yes. And then that just adds to the mix. Which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you know over the over the coming months, we'll start to roll more of those things out and, you know, you'll be able to compile to more and more platforms.
0: Excellent, excellent. And I'm going I'm to dive one level deeper. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm, you know, pretty much out of my technical uh, <laughs> uh, expertise at this point in time. But when you say compiler, how does that work? Would that look at, let's say, the APIs that each of these platforms has? How How do you make the compiler work?
1: Great question. Um, (laughs) Look, uh, we could be here for some time if I I answer that properly. But you could do it it as an elevator pitch. (laughs) Um, The way to think about it is this: um, uh, every um, platform or language has its own syntax and its own controls and its own its own stuff. Yeah. Um, Effectively, what we do is um, I don't know. A drop-down list. Talk about it as a drop-down list, right? We yeah. we have our own uh, way of describing a drop-down list inside Peggio. Yes, right. But a drop-down list is a drop-down list is a drop-down list, right? Yeah, um, they're all coded slightly differently in every platform. Mm. So all we need to do as part of that process is when somebody asks for a drop-down list, um, you send uh, you know X code to iOS and Y code to Android and Z code to to SAP, yes, and then you get their drop-down list. Indeed, uh, and so it's really that translation process or the compile pro- the, the compiler process, which is to to do that, and that's a relatively easy thing to do because you have a, an original state and a target state. Yes, um, and you know we'll, we'll get better and better at it as we go along um this is where actually um you know ai is helping us a lot as well because we can actually um use ai to generate a lot of the code as we go
0: which is fantastic yeah yeah, yeah.
1: um and when it comes to the to apis um uh what Apeggio does is it will orc- it allows you to um build the workflows and orchestrate against apis okay uh, in its current format yes um in, in in later stages, you'll actually be able to generate your own APIs and create yeah. those as well. But at the moment, you do, you orchestrate other people's. Because when you come back to that, where we started the conversation around having an API economy and having a digital experience that you you bolt all these things together, that's exactly what we wanted to do. Yes. So um, as long as you've got. Um, uh, the URL for the API mm. and um, a key if it's an encrypted one um, you give those two things to Arpeggio Apeggio will interrogate um, the, the the API and then actually serve it back to you yes. Um In a graphical form, effectively, so that you can drag and drop, you know, uh, the the services in that API into the workflow into Apeggio.
2: Yeah,
0: excellent. I mean, you make it sound as simple as, say, Google Data Studio when, you know, you're doing joins across multiple sheets just by dragging and dropping instead of writing SQL. Well that's that's what it's meant to be. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. you know
1: there's always uh, you know we've always got a, you know there's always a few rough edges to knock out but that's that's exactly how it's meant to work. Yeah, yeah.
0: fantastic. And Alex um uh, earlier in the year when we first spoke um, there was one really excellent example that you provided of um in the business setting, how apeggio um will benefit let's say consultants um who are going in uh uh designing m v p s um so I just wanted to see if you'd like to talk us through the types of personas that you see benefiting the most from a sure
1: yeah, i mean look i mean that particular example is one that um goes back actually to my time at Eubank, ubank you know yeah. there's, there's this uh there in that organization. You know, I'd have people come to me all the time and say, "Alex, you've got a fantastic idea for this. We yes. could do that. We could do this." Um, and you sort of listen to them, and you go, "Yeah, that's brilliant." You know, uh, and the f- the only thing you can do is send them away uh, into a into a room with a whiteboard, yeah, uh, and get them start scribbling stuff down. Yes, right. Um, and then they'll come back with a paper prototype, and then after the paper prototype, you then you know you have to get it into the IT queue for uh, for to get it built, and you know, however many months later, something might turn up. Mm, mm-hmm. um, and this happens all the time in every single organisation I've ever worked in. Um, you know, sometimes you do it in-house, sometimes yeah. you get PwC or KPMG or the consultants to come in and do it for you to sort of that catalyst process. Mm. But what we want to be able to do with Apeggio is in those scenarios, when they go into that room, they take the laptop, um, They instead of drawing on the whiteboard, they actually draw on Apeggio. Mm. And at the end of the session, they come out with a working enterprise grade application. Yes. Yeah. Which they can deploy, um, test with real users, get instant feedback for, change uh, themselves, um, you know, and actually get propositions from you know great ideas to working software in hours yeah That's, which is incredible yeah yeah um you know and it from a cons- you know from a consultancy perspective this would be amazing right? yes, if you could indeed. get that that whole process down to that level of speed indeed um you know, even you know, even even when you've you know, the large organizations you still gotta find the analysts and the programmers and the BAs and all that sort of stuff to come together to do those bits and pieces. That's right. But that's really the, that's really the, the 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 light bulb moment. If we can get to that
0: Mm. that's what we want. Indeed and it it reminds me of the quote from Jeff Bezos, you know, your margin is my opportunity. Correct. And you know, if you think about margin in terms of developer costs um, and uh, developing MVPs, Mm yeah it takes weeks or months normally mm. but if you can do it within hours then yeah, yeah you're yeah. laughing all the way to the bank <laughs> pardon the pun but oh no <laughs> absolutely but
1: th- this is I, I i do need to sort of stress this though, though. i yeah. mean some people when i sort of talk about that they think oh i'm sort of anti-developer right and you know what you know a bit like the ai conversation how are you going to developers out of jobs yeah and, and i'm completely not yes right yeah um you know There aren't enough developers in the world to do what we want to do today, let alone what we want to do tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Which means we've got this huge shortage of skilled developers. Um, We can't create enough new ones. Um, And even the ones we've got now, we, you know, we get, them to build everything three times or you know we get them to build yet another application form you know how many times how many times are we going to do that before somebody goes that's stupid that is (laughs) that's it that's
0: it how would developers benefit from a because that there are ways
1: yeah absolutely so the, the the key for me around engineers is You know, engineers are are, are at their best Mm. when they're working on really complex stuff that makes, um, that they're interested in, that makes a difference. Yes. Right. And it's sort of the 80 20 rule. You know, that's at the moment probably 20% of their job because Mm. 80% of their job is, uh, you know, sorting out legacy issues, tech debt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or, you know, uh, sitting in project meetings, you know, and all all the other stuff they don't want to do. Indeed, right? indeed. Um, if we can liberate that 80% of the time yes. and have them working on the complicated stuff, mm. uh, that you know, all the APIs, all the bits and pieces. And I talk about it as, you know, orga- organizations think about um, codifying their IP of yes. their business into the API layer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because that if they do that, then they generate and using their existing resources. Yes. Who will be more engaged in doing it because they want to do it? They're not, you know, solving some bug that have been sat on for the last fourteen years. Yeah. The engineers will be more uh, engaged in doing it, um, and the business will generate so much more business opportunities because in a composable world, you know, they can sell API Y to new customer B. Yes. Um. You know, and they can create entirely new propositions that never existed by, you know, bolting together those A- their own APIs and other people's APIs into new propositions. Yes. And if we can get that right, that's where the magic source comes. Indeed. Indeed. Huh? And, um, you know, and this is where uh, AI will help us again. Mm. In you know, um, you know, we've sort of been. Uh, thinking about this really hard for the last couple of years at arpeggio which is you know arpeggio effectively is um if you think about it it's a new um it's a new code language yeah yeah it's a very high level coding language yes um and it's made up of you know millions of small components which are you know uh, highly extensible and highly um, uh, uh, tested so that they're uh, so you get high-quality code out at the end of it. But effectively, mm-hmm. it's a new language. Yes, yes. Um, so rather than um, having the visual interface that we currently have today with no-code tools, mm-hmm. um, if you could use that abstraction layer of Peggio and other no-code tools and use an AI on top of it so that you're actually describing to the AI... What you want built? Yes, it can go away and build in Apeggio the application. Yeah, um, because if you do that in exactly the same way as we've done for the last sixty years in technology, you know, have all these layers of abstraction where we, um, you know, we create uh, certainty and, and controls. Yes, Apeggio is just an, or No Code platform, just another layer of abstraction in there, but they actually produce you. Um, high quality code. Yeah. The problem that we have with um, generative AI today and code is two things. The first thing is um, you have to, there, it's great at developer acceleration again. Yes. Because you have to know what questions to ask mm-hmm. um, and you have to be able to, you know, QA the stuff that it produces. Mm-hmm. And then you have to be able to do something with the code that it's generated. Yes. So it comes back to that experience as a service problem. Indeed. And then the second um, uh, problem you have um, is uh, it's still untested code. Yes. Right, so it's still got to go through a lifecycle. Might might get to the code quicker. It might be um, it might be a better a better code. Yeah, but you still got to get to that code. If you use the AI to use Arpeggio to, or another no code tool to create the code that sits underneath, yes, then you get all the benefits of the platform and you get the ability to now describe what you want as the through language as opposed to visually describing it
0: yes indeed indeed um and uh and earlier on in the podcast you also mentioned the marketplace as well and i believe developers can benefit from that too
1: yeah um absolutely right so um uh, anything that you create in a um is almost a one click process to effectively create it as a new component yes whether it's a uh i don't know a Uh, a tick box um uh, you've invented a new tick box if that's possible um or uh you know a whole new workflow payments workflow or a a, a bank application process or whatever it is right you can effectively turn that into a um uh, a template inside Apeggio and then we put those templates into the Apeggio marketplace and so you've now got a revenue stream effectively associated with that which is if you're uh, if you want to start building Apeggio templates you can build templates pop them into the marketplace and you know then you can receive commissions off the back of people that use them it's great for people that new users want to use the platform because they can go in and go I want that one click Mm. Um, and everything's designed to be um You shouldn't ever have to start from scratch. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something like nearly 200 base components that sit inside a Pedio. Yes. But I'd be really surprised if anybody ever uses them. Yeah. You know, because, you know, we've used um, uh, atomic design principles Mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, we've got all these base components, but those base components have already been plug together like lego to create you know sections whole yes. pages whole workflows and the end state is we actually want to be whole applications yes yeah um you know i'm making it up but you know if you we we should be able to start actually creating vertical uh, application templates yes indeed. um so that you know if somebody wants the shop application template they'll just come in click go I want that yes um you know i want that theme color i want this uh, design scheme um. Use these fonts, bish bash bosh. Yes. You have whatever you want, right? That's, that's
0: it. Like like on Webflow, for example, I, yeah. I bought a template uh, yeah. uh, just the other week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. And and that's exactly right. And that, that's where we need to get to. Yeah. yeah. And uh, another conversation that we had um uh, related to um one of the other guests on the podcast, Daniel from Integrated Finance, yeah. um, and uh, we discussed a use case of a potential lead of theirs, which was a um, uh, divorce attorney who wanted to create an application so that um, uh, when there was split custody, the payments would be able to be tracked through that application using APIs um, for, for open banking and whatnot. Um, and so let's say there was a developer that built that for one law firm, they could then put it onto the marketplace and then sell it to other Ex- exactly law firms. Right. So exactly it's, right. Uh, I thought it was just important to sort of give that type of example, um, uh, you know, to some of the audience, particularly say, you know, fintech people who might think, oh, but if you build, you know, let's say one challenger bank or one fintech app, yeah, you don't need it for any others, but... Actually, uh, one law firm might want to customize it a little bit compared to yeah. a different one.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And this comes back to the eighty-twenty rule. We want people playing in the twenty percent. We don't want people building the eighty percent every time. Yes, you know, yeah. you, you want a particular specialization, a particular difference of proposition. That's where your that's where your customer value comes in the twenty percent, and that's what we want everyone focused on.
2: Yes, indeed, indeed. That's right. Yeah,
1: and you know. Uh, but the beauty of that model, mm. because it sort of sits within the um, the, the Apeggio platform, is um, let's say for instance, you know, Apple decides to you know launch a new phone with a new cutout site shape for their camera. Yes. Right. Well, just think how many developer hours were spent changing the uh, iPhone applications to support the different camera cutouts. That's
2: right. That's right probably
1: billions of dollars around the world for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The way we can handle it in arpeggio is we'll change it once in the individual component. Mm. Um we can tell uh, everybody that's got an existing arpeggio application just to press one button to recompile it yeah. and they'll all work with the new configuration yeah
0: which is fantastic yeah.
1: yeah yeah um and that's the so you've got that sort of capability across you know if you're building templates yes on the marketplace you know if you come up with a new thing that you want to include in your template you don't have to create a new template mm. you can effectively start to have versioning of your template and give all your previous customers your new uh the new upgrades yes
2: yeah it's fantastic
0: yeah <laughs> yeah oh wicked look um uh alex uh we, we've talked a lot about uh uh you know what what the app does um uh, well I mean I'm sorry I don't know if I should even be calling it an app it's you know the experience as a service I think because we've been talking about many applications that that, that's a word that came to mind um and you know you have touched upon I suppose some different roadmap items um for this year but are there any that maybe you haven't mentioned or any that uh, let's say the the parts that you're most excited about.
1: Yeah, no, look, um, we we had I got one today, which was a great milestone for us. You know, um, we actually got our ISO twenty seven thousand and one certificate Fantastic. in the email. The, literally ten minutes before I turned up today. Oh,
0: wonderful, wonderful! Um, <laughs> yeah, which is congrats. brilliant because
1: it's it's you know that was a lot of hard work, and um, you know to have there aren't many, if any, uh, no loco platforms out there that have that certification. So. Yes. You know, and it's a, it's an example of how we wanted to be enterprise grade from day one
0: indeed indeed so that's there
1: um, we're currently um, in a very uh, low-key beta pilot yes um, you know we're actually doing a lot of um, upgrades to the platform over the next few weeks um, to get it to the point where you know we've got the bonnet up at the minute just to having it and making sure everything's bedded in and all that sort of stuff yeah uh, but yeah. over the next coming weeks we will um, launch into you know an official um public beta program yes
2: fantastic
1: um and then you know we want to take that as soon as we can through to sort of a a full launch um and try and you know drive that out to to the world the great thing about arpeggio is you know it's not constrained by any geographical boundaries you know um it can be used by absolutely anybody anywhere yeah the other beauty of it is it's completely multilingual as well so you can um you know you can have it in english you can have it in any number of languages that you like yeah um pretty much as long as you do the translation in at some point in time we'll get google to do the translation i'm sure <laughs> but at the minute as long as yeah. you do the translation it will it will do that um and away you go so um so that's that's really the next the next few milestones um once we get the full production launch away um you know, then we'll be in a uh, we'll be looking to you know show go to market fit and some stuff, and then you know um, start the next capital raising process to really uh, see if we can't yeah. uh, go to the world with uh, with with something big and clever.
0: Fantastic, fantastic! Look, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting year.
1: Oh yeah, it's it's always exciting. You know, that, that's <laughs> the one. That's the one thing I've learned from all of my startup experiences. It's never boring.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It never is. It never is. Yeah. Um, look, I'm going to ask you in a moment um, to share some wisdom, uh, you Ooh, know, kids. from all of those experiences. But um, uh, I've got to ask this question. Um, and, you know, you've probably been asked it all the time recently. Are you going to integrate with ChatGPT? Ooh, um, y- uh, almost certainly
1: is the answer. Yeah. Um, so there, well, there's, there's there's two ways to look at ChatGPT or any, any generative AI program. Um, we can integrate with it so that uh, our users can use ChatGPT inside yes. the platform. So effectively make it, you know, um, an easy way to build a front end to ChatGPT. Mm-hmm. That's integration number one. That's pretty straightforward. That's, that's not hard to do. Yes. The second way is the way I was describing before which is to actually allow ChatGPT to generate Arpeggio applications. Okay, yes. Um, and that's, um, uh, that's, the, that's a little bit further down the road back, but that's something we really want to do.
2: Fantastic,
0: fantastic, yeah. excellent. And so look, just jumping back you know, to uh, uh, all the years of wisdom, um, um, uh, what would, let's say, the top three takeaways be that you would give to founders? If you could just give them three pieces of advice.
1: Uh, everything always takes um, 200% longer than you think it's going to do. Yes, every time. <laughs> um, two is um, you've got to be really cognizant of what you're taking on. Yes, being a founder is not even being a co-founder, or even being part of a an early team. Yes, is not something to be taken lightly indeed indeed um you know i i reckon i've got a 50 50 hit rate on people where you go uh, you know that, that that i can see whether or not they're going to work uh, they're going to make it you yes know? um and the reason for that is you know the level of ambiguity uncertainty mm. um mm. uh change uh is really hard to cope with. Yes. Yeah. Um you got to have tremendous amount of resilience. Indeed. Um and um for some people it just doesn't compute. Yes. Yes. Right? It, it, you know and they you know they just go you lot are mad. What am I doing here? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um and so you know finding as a founder first of all you have got to you know acknowledge that's going to be the case and be able to see yourself through that but also as a founder be able to learn who can cope in that environment and who can't yeah and you know um if you work out that they can't cope in that environment then help them to leave it
2: yes um
1: because it can really fry your brain
0: yeah indeed indeed yeah yeah
1: um and then a third one what's the third one um (laughs) have fun. Yes. You got to have fun. If you if you don't have fun, it is too hard to do. That's right. That's right. Um yeah. you know, uh find you know, build a build a great team around that you can have fun with. Yes. Um and you know because you will have be pulling all nighters, you will be um you know, you know 24 hours away from bankruptcy you will have all of that to, unless you can have a laugh while you're doing it it's really hard
0: yeah indeed indeed yeah. no you're right i i think those things resonate uh you know with a lot of people you got founders who are putting in you know their own money to make payroll uh you know yeah you, you know you got founders who might not tell their staff how close they are to running out of money, and then you know a miracle happens and a fundraise comes through, um, and things keep going. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know having sort of become a founder myself over the past year, and although you know consulting is, uh, let's say, and I don't want to say the easiest um, uh, sort of professional service, but. Um, you know, you're able to keep costs low these days. You just need a computer and good internet. <laughs> and, you know, you can crack on. Yeah. Um, But uh, you think about founders who have offices and, you know, lots of staff and, you know, those staff depend on them for, you know, their mm. families and, uh, uh, you know, to put food on the table. Um, And these are really big things that I don't think anyone ever sort of gets taught about, let's say. Mm. um You know, when you do an MBA or anything, they don't they don't teach you about those sort of pressures.
1: No, you've not been an entrepreneur until you haven't been able to make payroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 sorts the men out for the boys, if you'll excuse the phrase. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, right. yeah. That, that really is a uh, a moment where you go, oh my, how is how is this going to work? Because you're not just letting yourself down; you're letting, you know, you. Your friends, your colleagues, their families, down everything else that, yeah. that goes along the way, and finding a way to get yourself out of that is is tough.
0: Oh yeah, really indeed. tough. Yeah, yeah, and it, you know, I mean, the people that you might normally count on are the ones who are directly affected, and yeah. they can be super difficult as yeah. well. So,
1: but also, you'll find that they'll also be super supportive. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, and you, 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 you. To a very large extent, you know, they the the good ones that that are able to cope with that are on the journey with you. Yes, yeah. And they'll, they'll, they'll try and make it work.
0: Yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah. Look, Alex, very wise words. Thank you so much for, for sharing those takeaways uh, with the audience and thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much.
0: You're most welcome. Good luck with uh, you know the, the, the launch of Apejo. Um, hopefully we can do round two next time you're over. Oh,
1: definitely. Absolutely. Book me in. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic.
0: Alex, thanks so much. Pleasure.